Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery, code Wondery. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 522. Leaving Nashville today. Thank you so much if you came out to see At Midnight Live at the James K. Polk Theater as part of the Wild West Comedy Festival. The shows were an absolute insane blast. So, uh, big, big hugs to uh, Matt Bronger and Mike Lawrence and um, Arden Marine who came out and did the shows with us as the uh, contestants. We're going to be doing it again at San Diego Comic-Con on the 25th of July and then also a Live Nerds podcast at Comic-Con on the 26th of July. So tickets for that are going uh, uh, really fast. So go grab those. And also I'll be doing stand-up at Wise Guys in Utah at the end of May. So uh, go online and get those as well. I'd like to thank Stamps.com for sponsoring this episode of the Nerdist Podcast, um, print out postage whenever, I mean, it's it's as simple as just, you need a certain amount of postage, why get a bunch of stamps and waste postage, print out the exact postage you need, put it on whatever type of package, parcel, uh, letter, whatever it is, and then your, your mail carrier will come and pick it up, and you never have to set foot in the post office, I mean, and post offices can be nice, there's some really nice ones, the people that work there can be nice, there's some nice ones, but, you know, why, why, why go and park and go in and lug all your stuff around, it's, I mean, people always tend to choose convenience over going to the post office. So we have our continuing promotion with stamps.com. When you enter the promo code Nerdist, you're going to get a $110 bonus offer. That's $55 of free postage and a digital scale. So don't wait. Go to stamps.com before you do anything else. Click at the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Nerdist. Stamps.com, promo code Nerdist. This episode is Wendy McClendon Covey, who uh, you probably know uh, from Reno 911 or Bridesmaids. She's a brilliant actress and a brilliant comic actress and improviser and sketch person and uh, she's in the movie Blended which comes out May 23rd with uh, Drew Barrymore and Adam Sandler uh, Joel McHale's in that too and uh, she was a one so she's so fucking funny um, and uh, and we had a really nice chat at our at midnight studios we're working on the echo in the room I know it is basically just a solid room and every time I go there Katie's put up some more like uh, egg crates or something to kind of dampen the sound but uh, that's that's what we're working with right now now so just just bear with us a little bit more of the echo and uh and then we're, we're gonna have that room padded as soon as soon as we can all right here we go nurse podcast number 522 with wendy mcclendon covey now entering nerdist.com Where should I be? Um, do you want to? How about right there? Okay. 
We'll just stare across a table right. from each other like a, like an awkward speed date. Although, I love it. it's like an hour, so it's not... I guess you would take your time. It's like a regular date. It's like, it's a, a, regu- a, regular date. Yeah. <laughs> regular it's like a speed date, but regular. Okay. If I can back into it that way. All right. Um, thanks for coming on the show. I'm excited. I'm excited, too, because we have a ton of the same friends. Yeah. Especially because you're... You're, uh, you came out of the Groundling uh-huh. um, uh, canal of comedians, <laughs> and uh, I have a ton of friends who were in, you, I'm pretty sure were in your class, your era. group, in yeah. your era. Yeah. Class, is that appropriate? In your class. Um, yeah, yeah. Like I junior, <laughs> junior yeah. year. So it was you. I, I get what you're saying. Who 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 else was in? You were in the uh, you were in the main company. I was in the main company for seven years. So <sighs> I was there with um, Mitch Selpa. Yeah, Mitch, I, oh my god, of course, love Mitch. You really do know him, or I really do know him because <laughs> in for between yeah, ninety seven and ninety nine, I was taking classes at Groundlings, and so I knew like. Um, Mitch and Mike McDonald and Karen Mariyama uh-huh. and just uh, and all these a ton of Tim Bagley, Mike Tim Bagley, Hitchcock. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Damon yep. Jones, Tony Sepulveda. You probably know all this. You know all these people. Yeah, yeah. Damon so Jones. Oh my God, I haven't heard these names in so long. Damon, who I think has a show with Michaela Watkins. Mm-hmm. They sold something. I think it's going to be on USA. Oh wow! So it's going to show in the USA. In the USA. This is the That's it. Yeah. Like I don't know that there's a <laughs> channel named after our country. So they're yeah. going to show it in the United, just in the United States. Just in the United States. Okay. Yeah, it's well, a very patriotic show. That way. Okay, good. If no, they I want to, America yeah. Too. If they want to be jingoistic and just, you know, not reach the, out, The point fine. is, fuck other countries. Yeah. Right? I think that's... Always. 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 Yeah. If you can it's do called show, diplomacy. <laughs> fuck them. <laughs> yeah. But it was, a, it was a really... It was an interesting time for me because it was right when I was just starting to do stand-up, and I'm like, well, I want to try improv ah. and sketch, and then I realized that... Um, wasn't for you. No, it wasn't no. for me. It wasn't for me. But it was a really good... I felt like it was a good time to be there. There were a lot of really great people. Yeah. So seven years you did the main company show. I did. Well, I was in the main company, but I didn't do all the shows. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I started working... Pretty soon after. Are we typing? Are we doing this? Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, we just launched right in. But you started. Well, I don't. We just ease in. (laughs) That's fine. You know why? Because it's it's not really an interview. It's just a conversation. That's fine. Because we're on a speed. I just didn't know. Like, should I should I try? Should I put forth an effort and really be charming, or should I just keep talking in my monotone? I feel like we don't. So I don't know why you should. I I, I mean, great. I'm gonna I'm gonna take my shoes off and lay down. You're essentially in what looks like a human resources office um, (laughs) on in the corner of this Hollywood Center Studios. Yes. So I feel like uh, any way that you want to approach this. All right. <laughs> what, what if you just started saying a bunch of really horrible things like, I don't want to be here. And you're yeah. like, oh, are we yeah. on? How, when am so I going to get out of here, Chris? <laughs> well, in slightly less than an hour I'm now. I'm hungry. Do you have any food? <laughs> nope. Sorry. Oh, it's that kind great. of show. Ugh. You want a water? Well, let's get it over with. <laughs> so I want to I hear a little bit about the era of, of Groundlings there. Yes. And then we'll get into to the other stuff. Because the... The Groundlings style of sketch and improv obviously is different. I mean, it definitely has its own vibe. Yeah. But there was clearly something in uh, there was something in the water mm-hmm. at that time because so many great people came out of out of that era. Right. A lot of good people came out of that. And and yeah, the Groundlings is not for everybody. It's it's a training. Um, 
curriculum that's very regimented. And if you are someone who needs to be encouraged constantly, this is not the place for you. Okay. It's more like boot camp. Yeah. All right. If you need your butt kissed, go elsewhere. Right. But if you can get through this, you know, you've got something and people, you know, casting people look on your resume. And if they, if you have groundling training, a lot of times that's a big bonus. Especially if you have, if you've been in the company for several years, then right. there's sort of a status like, oh, yeah. Even if you just get through advanced, I mean, people say people see groundlings on there, and they don't know most of the time whether or not you're in the main company or the Sunday company, or if you were never in a company at all, they just see that training and yeah. tend to bring you in. But um, yeah, I, I was in the Sunday company for a year and a half, which is like the farm team, yeah, where you literally write. All the time. New show every Sunday. New show every Sunday. And then once you get in the company, you do a show like every four months. And you don't have to do every show. You can take shows off if you need to. And I I needed to. Yeah. Um, I maybe did six main company shows. Because I was working, I couldn't. Sure. I didn't have time to luxury. Do so all that's like a fun luxury problem. I'm in the main company. I can't get. Yeah, but I'm. I'm yeah, exactly. I'm really busy. Um, but anyway, yeah, a lot of good people came out of my era or the era in which I was in the group. Yeah. No, take ownership <laughs> over it. But I feel like I, I don't know if most people know how difficult it is to attain a main company slot and yeah. also how political it can be. Yes. And in order for new people to come in, existing people have to leave. Exactly. And a lot of times that doesn't happen. Oh, right now there are some people in the main company who have been hanging on to their spots for over a decade. Now, I think that's crazy. (laughs) I think that is absolutely crazy. And I'm sorry, any groundlings that uh, are listening to this, but that's insane. Okay. Graduate from high school. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Let someone else have a spot. No, I'm the guy that just wants to hang out and party. No, Yeah. I want to, I'll buy you kids beer. Exactly. Please wait in the car. But <laughs> he drove. Wait in the car. He drove. He drove. Yeah. Everyone. That was that character. But um, but yeah. So there's only 30 groundlings at any given time, and sometimes they'll have a vote and they won't let anybody in, even if there's spots. Does it have to be so, unanimous? No, it has. It has to be a majority. Okay. Um, but anyway, yeah. So if you if you can get into the Sunday company, you're pretty good. If you can get into the main company, then the stars aligned and you're really good. Yeah. So, you know, so what is the main, what, what is sort of, what is the, the underlying principle of, um, character development? If it fit, if the groundlings to me felt very much, at least when, when I was there, you know, there was a strong emphasis on character work and finding sort of the, the hook really fast of what that character was right. and, and then kind of going with that, which you then, I mean, which defined a whole several, several seasons of SNL. You would see that over and over again. Right. And still do. Right. They, um, if I can summarize it really quickly, and I don't know if I can, um, they start you out learning improv first. And with their improv, the goal is to always add information, not to just have a funny conversation but to build on the, on the information that your partner's laying out and to actually listen. So you don't like pull a cigarette from nowhere and just start running your mouth off, which I've seen in a lot of improv classes. Like 
You have to add. It has to make a point. You never deny anything. And that's when it starts getting funny. You don't go in just trying to be funny. Right. You lay the groundwork first. And then as you keep going in the program, you'll start to develop characters. And then you'll start writing. So... You know, you, you have that solid improv foundation first. It is interesting that everything does sort of build organically off the skill that you learned before it. Mm-hmm. Learn how to improv, learn how to build, develop characters, then learn how to write in high volume every week, and then right. learn how to solidify those characters and run with it for, yeah. you know. And learn how to edit yourself. You show up with a seven-page sketch, I can guarantee you it's not going to get in the show. <laughs> you know, learn how to edit. And... I, there was a time when I thought, oh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll try teaching. No. I, I tried to be a student teacher for one six-week session. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I'm not a good explainer of things, as you all probably noticed from my last explanation. Do <laughs> so you just go, but just do I'm better. Just like, you know what? Uh, you probably felt that it didn't go well. Think about that. Well, I, but <laughs> I'm I think, just not good at it. But I think you, you, you see the, um, the best improvisers or the best the best sketch people, the strongest ones, it's almost counterintuitive. I think people go in and they go, oh, I should chew up the scenery so that people notice me. Yeah. But I think you find the people that stand out the most are the ones that are the strongest team members. Yeah. And that they they figure out what their role in the scene is and they play that role, that part of a bigger machine. Right. If you go in and start chewing up the scenery, the audience starts to hate you. <laughs> and you can feel it. Yeah. You can feel it. When 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 an audience turns on someone, oh, it gets chilly in the room. Oh, I, well, I would that would drive me yeah. crazy to be in a show where all of a sudden, at where it the show relies on everyone working together as a team, yeah, and then one person just goes rogue. But yeah. then you're stuck in the thing and you can't stop and go. You can't what stop. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah, you can't call time. <laughs> shut up. Yes, Let and us talk. you're pissing me yeah. off. Yes, and shut up already. <laughs> Yeah. So when, um, how did you, did you know the Tom Lennon and Ben and those guys before? No, 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 I didn't. I, um, it's funny. I got into the company at the Groundlings and then very soon after that, I got an audition for Reno and they were recasting. They'd already done their pilot at Fox. I don't know if you knew that. The Reno pilot was originally at Fox. Oh, I don't know and if I They said no that. to it. They sat on it for two years and then said no to it. So by then, they needed to replace somebody, and they were calling in girls to audition. And at that point, I was like, you know what? Maybe I'm not meant to be an actress. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should just stand on the end of the pier and throw my headshots in the pier. This just might not be working out for me. So that's how I went into the audition not caring at all about the outcome. And it seemed to work out. <laughs> well, I hear that time and time again where people go, something motivates them to just not give a fuck anymore, yeah. Yeah. which ultimately the byproduct of which is that you get out of your own way. Like right. you get your, your, your brain sort of shuts mm-hmm. off and you know, that desperate sort of, you need this, you need this. Like that goes away. Cause you don't care. Right. You don't care anymore. Yeah. And it, yeah. and it frees you up, but it's a very, not caring is a very difficult thing to engineer. Right. Does it, do you think, have you figured out another way to do it besides utterly giving up? Um, all I can say is that 
it helps me anyway in audition situations to just feel like, you know what, I'm gonna go in and do it my way. I cannot second guess what these people want, and they probably don't know what they want. And right. I really believe that. No one knows what they want until you show them what they want. Right. Just do something. As I long mean, as you're also the right height and hair color and look, <laughs> look you don't know what? look too You can tall. change their minds. A lot of times, they really don't know what they want. If you go in and blow them away, they'll adjust their thing to fit you. Damn it. You know? But just go in and radiate happiness. Yeah. And don't make people feel uncomfortable. Because right then, <laughs> that's an automatic no. If you go in... <laughs> Nervous and acting like my whole life has led to this, <laughs> then forget it. You've blown it. <laughs> I've done that so many times, and it's unfortunately it's the comic gene to fill a moment that doesn't need to be filled. Yeah, but I, I think uh, I think a classic example of, and this was one I, I did a few times. Where they would, you know, be really businesslike, and they go, "Do you have any questions?" And I would go, "Can I just have this? Do you really need me to audition?" And then, then they very rarely ever got a laugh. Uh, and then, and then, and then you have to read, and then you have to read on a on a on a stinker, like you've yeah. just created a stinker in the room, and then like, now let me try to back out of that and get into the scene. Right. But no, I never got a job that way. But you know what? It's your time. They called you in. <laughs> yeah. And Honestly. me and a, a thousand other people. Yeah. So take your time. Yeah. They brought you in. You spent your gas to get there. Mm -hmm. Do do it the way you want to do it. And well, if you're good, if you if they if they find you interesting, they'll make adjustments and you'll take the notes. Yeah. But remember, usually the decision maker is watching this on DVD or whatever or on a link. So don't be afraid to be quiet, and just let them read your face, like. Those things make a difference. I don't know. And that's a hard leap to make sometimes, especially if you, if you forget that you don't always have to be doing something. Yes. Like you can just be, you don't have to always like, I'm not doing anything. There's quiet. I have yeah. to. You're like, no, 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 that's okay. Yeah. You can just sort of let that breathe. Just let it sit. And sometimes yeah. that's funnier. And I know it, the, the um, temptation is to play it to the people in the room. Yeah. Half the time, they're not paying attention. They, you know what I mean? Again, the decision maker is usually not in the room. The These people are thinking so like, when can I go to the bathroom? Yeah. I really need to answer the text. I feel my phone vibrating. Like, they're not paying attention. They're and they're going, I didn't even want to go into casting. Yeah. Why am I here? When can I get out of here? Yep. When, yeah. when can I get to my phone and play Angry Birds? Exactly. I, the, uh, it, it, is, it is such a... It is such a toxic process auditioning, and part of me thinks, like, why can't it just be warmer of a process? But then I go, mm -hmm. but it's that way because if you can still – it's a trial by fire. If you yeah. can still make it through, then you've really earned it. Right. You know, like you really – it sort of weeds out all of the people who are on the fence. Exactly. And like any job interview, job interviews suck. <laughs> They're not good conditions. Mm -hmm. They're awful. But – it ends. <laughs> you know, you're just there to show them what you can do. It's not meant to be like a fun social thing. And I've stopped auditions and said, this is going nowhere. I, I, I'm not comfortable with this. You know, you can do that. Did you leave or did you start over? I've said, do you want me to keep going? <laughs> <laughs> there was one audition where they had like 
five pages of text and it was like Italian opera. It was so melodramatic. And I kept hearing other actors doing it and it was just going on and on and on. It sounded ridiculous. I got in there and everybody's face was on the floor. Like everybody watching the auditions, you could tell they just didn't want to be there. And it was just too much text and it was ridiculous. So I got through the first one, the first scene and I said, you don't want me to keep going, do you? <laughs> this is weird. Like, you can acknowledge that, hey, this is all kind of, you know, not working for me. Is it working for you? I, can, I mean, you look like you're about to start crying, people. <laughs> you know, I think it's okay. Did they, did they say? They said, no, keep going. And I said, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Did you get it? No. No. <laughs> But at that point, it was like, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to meet the person who could do this convincingly. This is bad. Yeah. This is just bad. Well, it's it's good to, you know. I mean, most people don't have the confidence to do that because yeah. you're like, well, I need a job. I need I need this. I need, it all comes from such a place of I need, I need, I need, I need, I need. Right. And when you can sort of, uh, when you can sort of get that out of the way, yeah. it it really does free you up to like, now I can just do the thing. That's why yeah. I always love... Because people don't respond to needy people. No, not at you all. You want to run in the opposite direction. Yes, there's something about our 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 biology that when you can smell that someone needs something, you yeah. instantly shut down. Can I sign your yearbook? Um, I lost it. Yeah. <laughs> I threw it away because the yearbooks are dumb. Yeah. But you're holding it. Uh, it's not mine. Yeah. Oh. Can I book. come to your house? You, you know, no one wants to be friends with that person. Well, I um, uh, I loved, the, I always loved the auditions. I mean, I, I didn't, I never auditioned for Reno, but I would imagine that was probably, if Tom and Ben were running, it was probably a really fun room. It was, it was. Because you get to just fuck around. it was all improvised. And the only note I got going into it was, uh, she's a sexy cop. Well, Whatever, this is Reno, so how sexy is she? <laughs> Not very. <laughs> she thinks she's sexy. Nurse That's Podcast funnier like to, to me. Shout out to our fans in Reno. Well, whatever. I'm yeah, I'm, are there a lot? You got a lot of Reno listeners? At least four. Yeah. At least Hi, you guys. Four. Hey, Going to the El Dorado later? <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. But, you know, anyway. Well, it it's, it's it, those types of... Um, you know, when you have other people in the room who understand the process and not yeah. just, oh, this is a casting director and their casting assistant, he's running the camera. And right. like when you have other comedy people, it. I, did you ever audition for Whose Line? No, I didn't. I got to do a guest thing on it recently, but it was one of those things where, oh, celebrity guest will make it real easy for them. So it was super easy and I barely had to do anything. But no, what, what was the audition? This was in like the year 2000. This was okay. like the Drew Carey. And the audition was fucking brutal. Oh, it was geez. like, it, you know, they brought, it started in the morning and it was this conference room, like, you know, like a rec room full of people. And they just started mixing and mashing people and bringing up people in groups and doing scenes and doing like quick, like not long form improv, but just like joke based yeah. improv. Yeah. And then you would do that for a while, and they would narrow it down. And then you'd do that for a while, and narrow it down. And that sounds awful. It's, somehow I, I kept making the cut until I was in the final group for the day. Yeah. And it was very small. And there was a, there was a, a girl, and I, she was growling, and I, can't, I, I know you would know her, and I cannot remember her name. Amy Von Fryman? Yes! Ah! 
it. I knew crazy. it. Crazy. What are my lucky lottery numbers? <laughs> Three, 18, 69, 17. Do it. I think there's one more. Is there one more? Uh, or is oh, it just five? See, I don't play. Shit. I don't play. That's why I never win. I only get five of the six numbers. Oh. <laughs> So anyway, it was Amy. So it She's was, a really good improviser from that era. That's she why was, um, yeah. she was amazing, and yeah. she was crushing it. And um, and so we, we we finally got to the the, the, last, the last thing we we're supposed to do, and it was a musical scene where you in oh. the scene you had to assign the other person a style, and then they would you know it was like a murder investigation, but then you it was a bunch of different musical genres. I'm already I'm breaking out in hives. Well, wait out of nervousness hear. for you. I wasn't. It wasn't me. It was what I did to poor Amy von Fryman, who oh. was. Um, I just was so tired. My brain yeah. was oatmeal by the end of the day, and I didn't. The second the words um, uh, Italian opera. Yeah. Like opera came out of my mouth. I just saw her face sort of drop because like basically improvising opera, like all that is a very intense thing to do at the end of the day. I could have given her something simple. Like she could handle it. Well, it was there. She definitely had the moment of like, like I saw, I saw it kind of wash over her. She fucking nailed it. Of course she did. And then we get to the end of the day and it sort of feels like, Oh my God, guys, we did it. We made it. Everything's going to be great. And then what you find out is you have to go through, they make you go through that. They made you go through that process several times. What? Before you got on the show. Because I think Jeff Davis had been there. It was like his third or fourth time of doing that. And you had, you had to do it a lot before they would let you do the show. So I was, after that one day, I was like, you know, this is not that important this is not to me. for me. Not that important I to me. I bet there was a lot of scenery chewing going on in that audition. Of course there was. Because that, that's not even a team. Like, no. That's just... That's every man for you, himself. I'm getting this job. Go fuck yeah. yourself. Yeah. That's a, and, and I've heard improvisers say that to each other like in the, in the waiting room of auditions. Like, look, just steamroll. No, if, but, it, if it go if it's not going your way, just start steamrolling. <laughs> well, I guess it is sort of a. I, I don't think I definitely don't think you should go in with that idea. No. But if you if you're if they put you with someone who either is really nervous or they're or they're you're not at the same skill level and right. it's dragging. What are you supposed? I don't know what yeah. you're supposed to do, but you should. I, I think you should always be a good team member. First. Yes, yes. But don't you kind of have to steamroll a little bit if the other person is completely if the other the person's ball? yeah, especially. At an audition, like you got to keep the story going. Yeah, but I. But you're what you're saying is right. Be a good team member first, and then a good team member saves the sinking ship. Yeah, if you have to. But you know, and a lot of people probably went to that audition because their agents say, "Oh, you're funny. You you say funny <laughs> things all the time." Well, that's the, which that's, is not the same as improvising. <laughs> that's the thing with I, I think stand up gets a little more. Um, there's a little more of a barrier of protection of people not just people being afraid of the concept of stand up. Yes. But because improv has the illusion of bleeding over into life where people go, oh, yeah. I'm just really riffy and funny in conversation, yeah. but it's not. So a lot of people, I think, say they do improv when they right. when they are just sort of funny in conversation. Right. Exactly. Like you're probably the funniest guy at the bank, <laughs> but you you don't know how to play with others. <laughs> improv is a very specific set of rules yes. and a very specific environment. Have yes. you have you uh, did you ever try to sort of infuse into other camps or groups outside of Groundlings? Um. Yeah, I was in a couple of other. 
groups um, down in Orange County. The improv capital of the country. Well, I think everyone you know, knows that. I, I mean, think when you everybody say County, knows that. You immediately think of Costa like... Mesa um, or Wait, Santa Ana. Did I read you're from like Bellflower or something like I that? I was born in Bellflower okay. at the same, fun fact, same hospital where the Octomom had her litter. <gasps> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Kaiser. On Rosecrans. I can't believe that bitch stole your thunder. Like, you were the most famous person born there. Exactly. Fuck you, Nadia Sulman. God. And all of your kids. Are they okay now? I don't think so. I don't think so. As as we were making that that uh, joke i was like oh gosh those poor babies kind of, where are they sort of like raise each are other like a like pack of wolves in the streets yeah they might oh gosh <laughs> that's awful <laughs> strike this from the record this <laughs> whole conversation yeah so i was born in bellflower but i've lived in long beach my whole life oh, i nice. still live there you still yeah. live in long beach uh-huh. how do you so you commute yeah that's yeah. amazing that anyone would want to do that well i like it there Live- I'd rather live there than live around a bunch of showbiz types all the time. <laughs> no, I guess that's true, but I, I, know? I'm just too, I'm just too much an animal of convenience. Like, oh, yeah. I only have to drive a mile to get to work, and I don't have See? to. Traffic, the traffic drives me. What do you do in the car all the time? I listen to books. I talk on the phone. What? I listen to serious books. Talk to you? I don't understand. They talk to you. Hey, Wendy. Hi, Wendy. How you doing? I'm Game of Thrones. Would you like to read about my intense language? (laughs) I have puppets that... (laughs) Talk to you? I talk to. Yeah, it's really fun. I decompress. (laughs) Do not puppeteer and drive. I think it's more important than don't text and drive. Yeah, and don't eat with a knife and fork. Never. (laughs) Don't eat with a knife and fork. Don't wear hand grenades as eyeglasses. No. Because you'll get pulled over. Never. These are just some driving tips. Yeah. For you. You're welcome, everybody. <laughs> For those of you that have been doing that, don't do it anymore. You know, the R- R- Reno came out of an e- also came out of an mm-hmm. era of the uh, partially improvised television model where there mm-hmm. was a bunch of, you know, everyone was like, oh, let's do Curb and let's do Reno yeah, again. Let's yeah, just put yeah, a bunch yeah. of people together. But, you know, what I found, the difference is always you can tell who has improv training and who is just like a jokester. Right. Because they always, you can tell at that one point where where they're in the middle of a scene and all of a sudden someone goes, and I'm from another planet. And you're just like, where did that come from? Exactly. You have to have a point A to point B. (laughs) You know, there has to be an end result that you're looking for. And yes, you're right. There, There seemed to be in the early 2000s, a lot of shows cropping up. Like, we're just going to get a bunch of funny people together yeah. and just let them go wild. Uh-huh. That's fun until you sit down and start to edit. And then you have nothing. <laughs> Not only sit down and start to edit, but then what happens in episode 12? Yeah. Like, when Oops, everyone's we have no, three li- no through line. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's um, people think it's easier or we're going to do an improvised movie. Oh. I, I've done several of those. And again... You sit down with 90 hours of footage, and good luck to you. You know? When everyone's just basically trying to one-up each other. Everybody's trying to one-up each other. Um, You have a bunch of funny things that you'd like to include, but they all lead to nothing. Right. So, yeah, it's a slippery slope. I think it's harder than than doing it scripted. So in in this type of... In this type of improv, it's it's more important to focus on the story and then let the funny stuff come out rather yeah. than uh, 
Like, and here's a, here's a, yeah, you've got to get to the point, get to the bloody point and you'll have to do it a couple of times. Maybe, you know, do a few takes, which is normal, but you have to, you have to service the story. What is your worst onstage improv story? Do you have one or? Oh gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did a show with someone who was allegedly a really funny improviser. And they denied everything I said and chopped me off at the knees. And one thing I cannot stand, and again, it makes the audience hate you, so I don't know why anyone would want to do it, is if you lay something out and then in character, but not really in character, your scene partner says, oh, that was really good information um, of something that would never, ever happen in life. Or, Or something snarky like that. It's like, oh, okay. All right, is that how it's going to be? Improvising <laughs> with you tonight? That to me is worse than being on stage with a drunk person. Oh yeah, and I've done that too. That's and that bad, is though. that is not a treat. That is that is pretty bad. Yeah. Wait, are you saying that someone in the comedy community might be drinking too much even before a show that they were supposed to perform in? I find that hard to believe. It's something nobody talks about. <laughs> are you? Saying and it's that, very rare. Are you saying that someone maybe it's went to Tommy? Very Tang's? rare. <laughs> um. <laughs> But it happens. And sometimes these folks what? are known to indulge in a little bit of the cannabis. I don't. Okay? Wait a minute. I know. I, I know. I thought that makes you funnier. I, this is not a conspiracy theory. Okay. All right. Oh, yeah. That's okay. <laughs> or when four people show up with a sketch that they've written all high uh, and the sketch makes no sense. It, and they're like, no, it, Really, it was funny the other night. Well, it's not funny now. I mean, high comedy written when high is in the <laughs> same. Uh, it is of the same quality as when you have a dream and something's hilarious, and you wake up and you write it down. And the next morning, you know, you're, you're like, yeah. "Octopus periods." Why was yeah. that so funny in my <laughs> yeah. dream? I couldn't in my dream. Everyone was fucking laughing. What is, that's. <laughs> It's the same. <laughs> oh, I should yeah. totally write that one down. Yeah. Um, but uh, it was a. Tommy Tanks isn't there anymore, is it? They closed that years ago, right? Uh, yes, it's something else now. Like General. Or, general no, Tangs. No, General. Did he get Tang. a promotion? No, it's it's something like um, Mao's Kitchen or something like that, or like. Oh. I find it funny that they decided to keep Hitler's it Asian. Hitler's oven, I, whatever it is, <laughs> I don't think it's it was like Hitler's something oven. that doesn't sound right. I'm not joking. It's something about as questionable as that. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's some place where you say, "Oh, I don't want to eat there." I'm not sure. That's not a good name. I don't trust. Mao's Noodle Camp. I'm not. I don't yeah. want to go to Mao's Noodle Camp. <laughs> That does not a, does not sound like a, a supportive oh, environment for noodles. Fingernails. You don't you don't want those. Um, yeah, <laughs> I love the fact that though that 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 it was it was an Asian restaurant, and then someone else was like, "Well, let's do it again." Like you couldn't make yeah. it something else. Like, right. well, they are the walk was already there, so we just decided to. <laughs> We just, you it's know. all set. It's got a lot of you know Asian energy. In we we're going to be Greek food, but then it, yeah. we were like, throw the feta away. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's let's bring in this. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. Do you miss uh, doing live comedy ever? Um, do I miss it? Yeah, I do. I do. I. You know what I miss about the Groundlings is the green room. 
Yeah. That's what I miss. That's where all the fun, where all the, the funniest stuff really happens. For me, anyway, I think it's the green room. I just loved hanging out with everybody. What happens, do you think? I was, I was talking to my girlfriend the other day about, you know, like, I, it, I always feel like as a comedian, like, well, you're sort of, you're under the gun. You know, time is always sitting on your chest. Right. Because when comedians get older, there, there are not a lot of comedians who age. And then I go, oh, they're still really funny. Right. And she said, she said something which I've thought before and I do agree with, which is, well, it's not that, it's not that they're not funny per se. They just don't care anymore. Like that, oh, that yeah. sort of like, ah, I gotta be, you know, there's a weird sort of hunger in that. Right. And at a certain point, you just get comfortable with yourself and you're like, yeah, I don't, I don't you're really like, need I'm to. not going on the road. Yeah, anymore. I don't need to and go that, on the road. And maybe that's it because, you know, a lot of. Stand up has to be done on the road in these shitty clubs. Can I say shitty? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's a podcast. Yeah, of course. It's a podcast. It's the internet. You can say it's whatever the internet. you want. All right, good. I have a filthy mouth. <laughs> I love that you said um, Hitler's oven, but can I say shitty? Well, come on. I, I, seriously, I, listen, that would I wasn't, be a bad restaurant. Yeah, it was the name of a bad restaurant. Yes. I wasn't advocating anything. <laughs> um, uh, but, 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 but yeah, there. I think after a while, as you get older, you're like, you know what? I, I don't want to eat shitty food and sit around in a shitty club with, you know, depressing people because as, as lovely as comedy is, it's full of depressing situations. Yeah. Right. Going on the road is not fun. No. Well, and, it, it's not, it, it's it, parts of it are, but then other parts of it, it, I feel like it sort of evens out. Right. It's like, there are some fun parts of it. And then the other parts, where you just sort of are like, yeah, I think I'm ready to be home. Yeah. I think I'm just ready to be home. And you outgrow it yeah. after a while. And after a while, you feel, yeah, you don't feel as manic about it, I guess. I've never done stand-up. I'm just No, but did you ever by... tour? Did you ever, do, did you ever tour with the Groundlings ever? No. Uh-uh. They don't really tour. They do, um, you know, industrials every once in a while. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I've not toured that much do you feel like um when you sort of look at the rest of your life do you feel like oh, i could be a performer forever do you think there's a certain point where you go you know i just eh, maybe i'll just write or something do you always want to to perform? i always want to perform i hope a day never comes where i can't do it anymore really as long as it suits my purposes sure. i could change my mind and and just open up a cat farm <laughs> wow okay that's a great idea um, now, are you selling the cats, or are you selling just letting milk, them come to me and and letting them live out their days? That sounds like homeless. Okay. I don't know. I are know you... it sounds like what a crazy person would do, <laughs> but I would do that. Or you know, look, I'm a bright girl. I can type. Yep. All right. Yeah. I'll always have something else to do. But from the desk from of now, the cat farm. Yeah, from the cat farm. <laughs> that'll be my podcast. Cat farm. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna talk to my kitties. Welcome to Wendy's cat farm. But, um, yeah, I always want to perform. And I, I write as well, but I don't love writing. Yeah. It's a, it's a, um, I've learned to hate it, but that's my own hang-up. But, yeah, I always want to perform. And do you feel like, uh, do you sort of feel, do you see, like, oh, these are the parts I'll, I'll try to go for in 10 years, or these are the parts I'll try to go for in 20 years, or, these are, or do you pretty much a day-to-day? Day-to-day. Day to day. You're probably happier that way. Yeah. Yeah. I I knew going into this that I was always going to be the 
the weird spice in the rack. Okay. <laughs> I'm always going to be, um, white pepper. Okay. <laughs> and you forget about white pepper. <laughs> All right? You forget about it. You don't use it in everything. White Pepper, by the way, sounds like a Caucasian character in a black exploitation film. Right? It does. friends with Shaft. It does. And <laughs> I'm going to call White Pepper. But she's, yeah. And no one can do what she does. No, no. She's All right? Whatever that is. She's yeah. a specialist at whatever that is. And she's like, I got your back, Shaft. Yeah. And then they beat the shit out of people. Exactly. But That's- then you, you're, you're like, oh... I'm going to throw white pepper in this omelet and it makes your omelet really good. And then you think, oh, I should use more white pepper in my life. (laughs) Okay. But you can't substitute white pepper with turmeric. No. There is no substitute. But I feel like I, because when I, when I started out, I mean, for years and years and years, my representatives would always get the note like, Chris isn't leading man enough. He's not this enough. He's not this enough, you Mm -hmm. know? And so... Mm -hmm. Of course, at first, that hurts your ego because you basically what they're saying is uh, you're not attractive enough to be in this role. Yeah, but then, yeah. But then I sort of realized the leading roles are fucking boring. Yeah. And the best, it's so much better. And I feel like there's so much more longevity to not have to maintain that. Mm-hmm. That you can always just come in and be funny or be interesting. Exactly. Not have to carry the thing and then leave. And, and most of the time, people always go, oh, but that other person was amazing. Exactly. Exactly. And just because your reps say that, get new reps. I mean, just because <laughs> they don't know what they're doing and they can only think in broad strokes, yeah. that's fine. But don't be afraid, actors out there, if you're not getting what you need, to fire your whole team. I did it. <laughs> I did it. And it was the best thing I ever did. Because you know what? If you're meant to do it, someone will pick you up. Yeah. Well, I, uh, the team now is good. This was the early, this was, this was the old days. This was the old days where it was just like, I'll take anything, you know? Mm-hmm. And again, yeah. there's that sort of, that, that, sense of uh, that sense of desperation. I mean, but you seem, were you always this comfortable and confident? Or did you, or did you develop that with so much comedy training? Or were you naturally that way? Well, I started later. I started like in my late twenties and really started working in my early thirties. So by that time, yeah, there was a sense of desperation in the beginning of, Oh, you just got to take anything. But after a while of going to auditions that I did not want to go on and having to, you know, go to some stupid commercial audition on Abbott Kinney at <laughs> five o'clock. Five, it's always five okay. Kinney. It's always five o'clock always on five frigging o'clock. Abbott Kinney. It takes you four hours <laughs> To get up and back so you can go in and say, you know, I'm gelling like a felon. Um, P.S. That was the commercial audition that made me say, you know what? I'm not going on any more commercial auditions. I've had it. True story. I, I have one of those, too. Oh, like this. That's it. I cannot say that without rolling my eyes. And how dare you bring me in here, address me by my Christian name and have me say, I'm gelling like a felon. Want some melon? Get out of my face. Stop rhyming things. Yeah. I don't want to do this. I'm not doing this. I'm not. Uh, for insoles, go away. My, <laughs> mine was, uh, I don't remember what the product was, but I just remember the direction was so ridiculous where they go, he goes, well, 
Okay, so you're sitting in your bedroom. There's a superhero poster on the wall, and um, <laughs> you're doing whatever it is that you're doing. You can figure yeah. that out you're for yourself. And then at a certain point, and I'll cue you, um, the superhero peels himself off the poster and walks across the room, and then you need to react to that, okay? So I'm going to start the camera and slate your name. And you're like, whoa, 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 you know? I mean, and of course, I understand the fantasy world. I totally understand it. But part of me is like, well, I would shit blood if that happened. Yeah. What am I supposed to? Yeah. And then I realize, like, I'm not. I, this I'm not is doing not, this, this anymore. This is not for me. I'm not good. There are people who are better at this. Right. There are people who love it. Yep. There are people for whom auditioning for commercials is like breathing. Yeah. To me, it's so counterintuitive. Well, because it's so hard. I just had to say, you know what? I'm not going to do this anymore because it makes me hate acting. <laughs> and I don't want to hate acting, so I'm just going to cut this part out. I see now that this is a waste of my time. Yeah. Well, you mean, so I cut that out. You go, you know, you get you get called into like that there's this place on La Brea and it was like 20 different casting studios oh, and then every it's like over here are all the guys who look like they're in JCPenney's and over here are all the moms with twins and over here are all of the little kids auditioning for a popsicle commercial and it's right. just this sort of weird and I feel like we all have friends and for a while mine was a guy named J.P. Manu and this guy J.P. Uh-huh. Manu worked in every, he was in every, every commercial, commercial yes. ever for a long period of time mm-hmm. until he just moved to Canada and started working up there but he uh, there's always a guy like that and I sort of feel like the commercial industry is sort of like the Hunger Games, yeah. Where there's a there's like one or two where you're like, look, see, they made it, but then everyone else dies. Yeah. In the they, that's the part you don't exactly. see is the trail of bodies. The trail <laughs> underneath. The trail of rotting corpses. <laughs> yeah. Um, and for people who say like, well. Oh yeah, you know acting is real hard. You fucking whiny baby. I'm like, you know, just try commer- try just the commercial try auditioning it. commercial just process. Try it. Just for two yeah. months. Yeah. And there was a time I don't, you know, again I haven't auditioned for a commercial in years, so I don't know if this is still the case. But they would advertising agencies would bring you into quote unquote improvise, meaning you're writing their copy for, for them. For them, yeah. So you would go in and do this brilliant, well, you know, pretty good audition but not get called back but you'd see the commercial and they'd use everything use you jokes. said yeah, i know that and that like, is that's against horse shit that yeah like that's, that's got to be against rule. some law somewhere well i think it probably is against some sort of a union rule but i think the general consensus of actors is oh well if i rattle the cage because of this then no one's ever gonna hire me and so they yeah. sort of get they sort of get afraid but then yeah but then just, you can just not go yeah you know isn't that them. nice yeah it's nice that, like, that's a good message for people is, like, because I think so much of what we do is, uh, I got to do this, I got to do this, yeah. and occasionally you can go, but do I? Yeah, you don't have to do any of this. You really don't. No one's making you do this. If you don't like it, check out for a while. Yeah. Sometimes the best thing to do is nothing. If you've sown the seeds, sometimes you just have to sit and let them germinate, you I, know? I wish people, you know, particularly young performers would focus more on their craft than, and I was guilty of this too, rather than worrying about how they're perceived. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like I talk to, I've talked to a lot of young performers and unfortunately a lot of them are, are female mm-hmm. and they get into their mid or late twenties and they go, well, I only have a couple more years and the business isn't going to hire me anymore. And That's I just go, such if bullshit. you're funny or if you're, if you're, if you're good at your craft, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you might not get the you know the roles where you are like oh it's the bikini lady right. but who fucking wants those like go yeah. for the interesting stuff and as long as you're good 
there there's there are places for you. Is that is that am I being a dumb guy no, by saying no, that? No, you're absolutely right. And when when I hear people saying things like that, I think, "Ooh, you don't want this to begin with. You're already finding a way out." And you're going to blame it on that. And what you really should blame it on is either you're just not good enough or you don't want it enough. Mm-hmm. But there's always a place for you. Again, people don't know what they want to see until you show it to them. And it's not going to happen on your time necessarily. But if you want it, and I tried to quit for a while too, but I felt like I was itching from the inside of my skin. And that's when I decided, well, I'm always going to be doing it even if I don't get paid. You know, I'll always be in a sketch comedy group or I'll do something, but I have to do it. I, I can't not do it. I yeah. feel like I'm not a whole person, which sounds stupid, but well, no, but but I have a really empty life. <laughs> so, this whole... Me and my me and my cats, <laughs> the cat farm. Oh my yeah. god, you're from Wendy's Cat Farm. I love that podcast. <laughs> That's so good. How's Felicia the kitty? Oh, she's run off with Captain Leotard, and what? they've had a litter. Oh, yeah, but how did yeah. he get around the Leotard part? Oh, you know. <laughs> I didn't, it was amazing enough that the cat got the, the cat Leotard just, on. It looks like he's wearing a Leotard. It's his coloring. It's not, I don't really put him in one. He's in my new cat show, Leotarded, yeah. and that's why I can't do improv, Ba-dum-bum. because I always end it like that. No. But um, you, so you've been in a ton of stuff, but I believe that the reason that you were, came on the podcast is because you're promoting Blended, Blended. right? Blended. Yes. Yes. Opens May 23rd, which I believe is Memorial Weekend. Nice. Is that right? That's right. Yes. That's okay. Uh, with Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore, a winning combination. But Joel McHale's in it, too. Joel McHale is in it. Mm-hmm. Who killed at the White House Correspondence Dinner the i got to be day. honest. I was nervous for him. I was very nervous. I, that, to me, sounds like you couldn't really say no if they asked you, but it's right. like, okay, I'll do it. But it sounds awful. And I don't know what it looked like on C-SPAN, but I was in the audience, and he was killing. You were in the audience? Yeah. He that's, was killing. That's fantastic. It was great. People were... I mean, around me anyway, they were rocking back and forth in their chairs and spitting out their champagne. I was nervous. I was nervous for Joel and I, I was doing shows and so I didn't get to see it. I didn't actually get to see it as it happened, but I immediately read the reviews and just scanned quickly and then, and I didn't see any, and no one said anything negative and they said a lot of the focus was on the jokes Obama made, yes. but, but Joel did get lines of like, oh, and then Joel McHale said this funny thing. I was like, oh. Good. Yeah. Good. No, he was great. Good. He was really funny. Would you ever want to do that? To no, me, that just sounds no, like a terrible... No, no, That's a losing proposition. <laughs> There's no way. It's... But, okay, that and hosting the Oscars. Yeah. You can't win. Tina Fey was so right on. It was like, why would I want to do that? Was no. There, it, no. It, the best thing that you can hope for is that they ask you to do it again. I yes. think I, maybe, maybe Seinfeld said that. Someone was like, the best case scenario is that you have to do it again. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. They would never ask me. You don't, I don't know do that. stand up. But it doesn't matter if you don't comedian. do stand up, but you are a comedian. Like yeah. you were a comedian in the sense of you're a comedy performer. I mean, uh, Tina. Should Tina, I get up and do my impressions? Yes. Here's my. And, Here's my impression of, well, you know what? No, I'm not, I'm not even going to put the audience of this podcast through it because I don't do impressions. Here's my so character, Peter Fonda Kitty. And then you yeah. just do all Peter the actors Fonda. as cats. 
I'm a mule. I'm an easy rider. Meow, meow, meow. meow, meow. Oh, boy. <laughs> and then the terrorists would have won. <laughs> no more bombings. We've done it. Yeah. Did you see the Oscars? Oh. I don't know what that accent was, by the way. I'm not being racist. That was just a general foreign accent. <laughs> all right? Let's all just calm just down. Just general, yeah. Could be anywhere. General, I get it. Could be anywhere. It, yeah. Doesn't necessarily have to be. Yeah. Um, yeah, hosting the Oscar. Oh, not. I was going to say, hosting the Oscar sounds yeah. awful. White House Correspondent Dinner sounds like a nightmare. Yeah. Um, but Joel McHale. But Joel did a great job. Just, and Because there are always, in those... Everyone's just probably already written their negative review before you've even yeah. gone on stage. Yeah. And all they do is just hit publish the exactly. second. And it just sounds... It Everybody's just, sounds like just a dying to get to the after parties. Yeah. So... And you're yeah. just there. You're keeping them from getting drunk. Exactly. That's your role. Exactly. I have to distract you for four hours because of ads. Exactly. And then we'll give out some trophies. <laughs> <laughs> but do you, did, you know, um, did you know Adam and Joel and Drew going into the movie? I knew Joel because we actually have another movie coming out at Christmas called A Friggin' Christmas Miracle. So I play his sister in that. Oh, wow. So that's going to be really funny. But Blended, I didn't even work with him. We, the scheduling for that movie was so um, frantic that I, I think I saw him in the makeup trailer one day and, and that was it. But yeah, I knew him. For, I'd, I'd done The Soup a couple times. Mm-hmm. Adam, uh, I've done some stuff for his production company, but I'd never met him until this. Oh, really? That's yeah, weird. yeah. And he's so sweet. He's like the nicest possible person in the world. Made me feel right at home. Um, you know, he's he's very he's a very loyal person, and everybody works with him forever and ever. Oh yeah, I mean, if, if anyone understands what that camp is, it's basically yeah. a group of people that once you're in. You're, you're, in. you're in. You're in. And they because all you spend so much time together. It's like, it's got to feel like a commune environment. Yeah. You know? And Drew is just sheer perfection. I mean, you, she's everything you want her to be. She's everything you expect her to be and more. She's even more sweet than you can imagine. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just saying that because we're in a movie together. She is truly the sweetest, warmest Girl. So on Cat Farm is is Mew Barrymore. Um, is that not is equally as pretty and sweet? Yeah. I you know that's some that's and someone talented. That's someone where you look at Mew her Barrymore. Yeah, this is where you look at her and you go, <laughs> it would have been so easy for her to. I mean, like that. She was sort of the original tabloid yeah. bad girl after everything that happened. And yeah. so, I mean, I almost feel like she should be counseling like Lindsay Lohan. People she like, should look, be. Look, I know what you're going through. You can, you're going to be okay. Yeah. She came Just out focus. on the other side. She, she really turned it around. Yeah. Yeah. She's great. She's, you know, just the sweetest person in the world. And so I play her best friend. Nice. And coworker. We have a business <laughs> called the closet Queens. Uh-huh. And what we do is we organize your closets. And you're the queens and we're the of queens this? of closet organization. Okay. So, all right. So I didn't. Yeah. Is this some type of closet oligarchy or a royalty or did you did you earn this throne? <laughs> this we, is, <laughs> I don't understand. The, I start getting the politics <laughs> yeah, of it. Yeah. Don't overthink it. What? Don't. But a queen. It. So there's but two yeah. queens. The closet queens. I feel yes. like there's only allowed to be one queen though in any monarchy. Well, that's you don't understand girls. 
Oh, okay. You don't understand. Got it. Okay. I'm the queen. Well, you know what? So are you. What? We can both be queens. Seriously? Like, we'll be co-presidents. I, I appreciate that. We'll be co-queens? Thing. Yeah. We'll co-queens. be co-queens in the closet. And it's because of me and my big breakup with my rich boyfriend that Adam and his kids and Drew and her kids get to go on vacation to Africa. So the whole movie doesn't work without your character. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> not getting cut out of this one. I'm not getting cut out. Yeah. Not getting cut out. And Terry Crews is in this as well. Terry Crews is just like, like he's blown Terry up. Terry Crews is the good luck charm of good luck charms. He's got he a fucking host millionaire. Everything. I know. I love him. He just radiates happiness. That's someone who radiates happiness right there. I would love to. Do you Now, in your normal life, when you're not. When you're just at home, mm-hmm. do you feel like, are you a upbeat, happy person? Or are you sort of like, I'm just going to shut down for a bit before I go? I'm a nightmare. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm a, just a big nightmare. No, I'm a happy person. I, you know, I have a very nice life. I, you know, I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, your lip's trembling. I, I, look, I'm medicated. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to, I'll be real candid about okay. it. Okay? okay, good. I have medicines. All right, good. And, uh, and most of the time, real happy. Get, okay. Get Wendy's people. She's not. They told me yeah. that this. Yeah, You're I don't know if how I can stress it enough. I'm no, a very happy person. Stress is a key word there. But now you're fine. leave it alone. No, you're fine. I listen. You radiate light. Jeez. And um, and the world is. There's happy. nothing wrong with me. No, I, absolutely. No one's saying there is. We just want you to feel I'm comfortable. We judgy just... McJudgerton. No, listen. I I think that only some of what you're doing is bad, but most oh, of it's good. Wow. Most of wow. it's good. Here it comes. I don't. I barely know you. <laughs> well, now I've been watching you for a while. I, Whatever. No, this is actually an intervention. No. There's no podcast. No, I'm I'm really a happy person. This recording equipment's filled with candy. There's nothing. Okay, yeah. it's it's a child's bank. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a, a piggy it's a piggy bank. <laughs> one side is a piggy bank. The other yep. one has candy. That yeah, kids. I for some it. reason, kids love to eat candy out of what looks like high end mm-hmm. audio equipment. Yeah, um, not things shaped like adorable animals. It's fine. Do you have kids? No, me neither. I don't. Here's the thing. I need to. I feel like I need to clarify that okay. I have nothing against children. No, I have I nothing against children. rotten children either. I, okay, love I mean children. Children, children are a kids. lot of fun. They're a, a but miracle. I never felt like I was going to be a mother. Yeah. Even as a child, I did not. I would hope I not. I resented my baby point. dolls. <laughs> this is not a joke. My mom would keep trying to shove a baby doll. Into my hands. You're like, ugh, like, I, I want to live my This is a life. lot of work. I want to play with my dump trucks and my stuffed animals. You know? Um, I have no maternal instincts. Mm-hmm. But that's okay. I know that about myself. And that's fine. And that's okay. Listen, it's way better to acknowledge that. I will babysit that. other people's babies. I will pick up their babies and put their little feet right in my mouth. Mm-hmm. I love to chew on a juicy baby. <laughs> but I, I would not be a good mom. <laughs> Most people would not, e- would not even acknowledge that. They'd be like, no, I have to have kids. Right. And, then, and I feel like I'm the same way as you. When I was younger, I was raised more around adults. And for some reason, kids irritated me. Really? But then in retrospect, I think I was also a very irritating child, ironically. Were you one of those kids that always had, um, like, hey, I got a joke for you. Hey, I know we're in the middle of a dinner party, but I got a little little routine I want to do or a little observance I want to make. I don't, I mean. Yeah, I'll take that as a yes. I mean, you know, like, look, if. 
performing other comedians' bits to my parents' friends unannounced at a dinner party is, falls into that category, then sure. But, it, but I feel uh-huh. like there's a lot of room to interpret right. what that might be. Okay. Everyone at that period of time wanted to hear an eight-year-old do the Steve Martin's The Cruel Shoes in its entirety. <laughs> and then sing King Tut. And then sing King Tut. Which, by the way, I thought that was the funkiest disco song. He had a kind of made of stoner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I saw Disco Tut. Disco Tut. Yeah. I saw um my parents used to go to Las Vegas a lot when I was a kid because of my dad's work. Um He was a magician. <laughs> weirder, he was a professional bowler. And really? True story. And there were oh. always like conventions and bowling tournaments in Vegas and so uh when I was a kid I saw Steve Martin perform and I st- remember traces of it but I do I remember the suit and I remember the everything. And I knew all of his stuff. And I remember in the middle of the show, he was about to end the show, and he was like, I want to say one more thing. And then, near, near, near. And this fucking guitar comes, like, on cables, comes out of the ceiling. And then, Stop it. And then, he, and then they do King Tut, and they put the Tutankhamun headpiece on him. And, he, and I remember it. I remember that from the Steve Martin And you probably saw that and thought, it doesn't get any better than that. And it doesn't. This is... Entertainment it is. at its finest. It was the best. Oh my gosh! I'm so jealous of you right now. I know. I only wish that I could remember more of the show. Have I talked about this before? I have, right? Because I we all I also saw Johnny Carson live, and Joan Rivers opened for him, and she was like 40 at the time. I mean, it was uh, it was a really it was you know Vegas. In those days, there was no, it, it wasn't really family oriented. No, it so the wasn't. Only so you, to were, do, you were like, you had a swing in childhood. I had a swing in childhood. So the only thing to do was drink, gamble, and go to shows. There wasn't any like, there were no roller works. coaster. There was no yeah. roller coaster. There was no like, you know, the finest chefs, you know, like Gordon Ramsay <laughs> didn't have 19 restaurants there. And so it, oh. all, all you could, those, that's all you could do. And so my parents took, had to take me because, I mean, and they, they knew I wanted to go. Yes, of course. Did your parents foster your performance? Uh, they did instinct? without without knowing that that's what they were doing. Um, my parents left my sister and I to our own devices a lot, and my mom was really good about oh, let's make you some dress up clothes so you can play. <laughs> they were my mom was always trying to get us to use our imaginations, so we did a lot, and we'd put on shows and. You know, stage parades Aww. for the neighbors and things like that. And my my grandma raised us a lot. Like during the summers, we'd stay with her Monday through Friday, every day. And at ten a.m., she would say, "Get out of the house. You're not watching <laughs> TV anymore until four o'clock. Get out. You cannot come back in the house until lunch." So, and she wouldn't buy us toys or whatever. So we had to think of things to do. Right. We had she had an enclosed patio which was perfect for doing shows. We staged shows all the time. Um you know, we we learned to type and we <laughs> typed our own junk mail. Like we just we would like <laughs> so write weird. scripts and we yeah, we typed our own mail. junk mail. It was hilarious. <laughs> My mom saved that. And um yeah, we'd shove junk our own junk mail through the mail slot and crack up my grandma. I mean, we it was fun so we we they fostered it without knowing that's what they were doing and so later on when i said oh you know i i want to be an actress my mom was like what where did that come from <laughs> i was like well um 
I'm wearing a tutu right now. What you're do you looking mean? at a pile like, of fake yeah, junk yeah, mail. What are you? <laughs> why are you surprised? But they were not supportive when it came time to like actually do something about this. My parents were like, no. What did they want you to do? Be a stewardess. What? No joke. Why? They thought I would be a stewardess. They did not think I should go to college. They really thought I would get married right out of high school and have kids right away. Well, how are you supposed to raise kids if you're a, if you're a stewardess? Well, look, Chris, if you play it right, you can <laughs> you can you can just like fly to San Francisco and then fly back. Like, or you, know, you can, it, there's, there's you can good... stick your kids with their grandparents Monday exactly, through Friday. Exactly. So, um yeah. That's so specific. That was not really Were they fun. in aviation at all? My mom worked for Boeing. Okay. Um I, I don't know why they thought stewardess for me. Like, so oh, strange. flying waitress, that'll be fun for you. You, you <laughs> exhibit all those qualities. Um, you know how you like to bring us food? Well, what if you didn't yeah. have to do that on the ground? Yeah. <laughs> uh, what if sometimes you got to fly for free and yeah. so did your family? Wouldn't that be nice? You know how you like dealing with shitty people that have no patience that are at the worst possible version of themselves right. in, for a four or five hour period of time? Yeah. Did you, you know you could make money doing that? <laughs> And you know how you like to stand <laughs> wearing uh, pantyhose? Yeah. Well, you <laughs> listen to this little lady. You know how you love to smile as big as possible when you want to cry your <laughs> eyes out? Well, guess what? <laughs> There's a calling for you. Yeah. <laughs> you can build a whole career around all those fun things. You know how you want not to be... That, not that, you know, stewardesses or flight attendants aren't, you know... No, I think they're amazing. I think they are. I think they're amazing. They have a a patience. But but I'm not sure how my parents came to that for me. Yeah. No, I think that job is amazing. And I I don't, I I honestly, the fortitude to be able to do that day in, day out when you, you know, especially if you don't feel like being there. You know how you always wanted to be trapped with 20 babies in a flying capsule? Yeah. And you can't escape? Well, now here's your, here's your here's your chance. Um, but see, my mom and dad got married really young, so I, that was their only frame of reference. My oh, okay. mom got married at 17. Okay. So for her, it was like, oh, you're a senior in high school. It's just a matter of time before <laughs> we got to plan a wedding. Ticking clock. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so what do you... That was... Yeah. Want to go dress so shopping? That was very confusing. For your prom? No wedding. No wedding, yeah. You're, I mean, prom. you can use it for both if for you want. Your, yeah. That's anyway, amazing. And then when did so, you finally get married? At 26. Okay. And that is when I finally started pursuing acting in earnest. Mm-hmm. So. Did that make... Did that somehow... Well, I don't know. Did that catalyze that process in some way? Well, I didn't have my parents looking over my shoulder going, we don't approve. Right. You know, and I, li- uh, full disclosure, I lived at home till I got married. You never lived alone? No. <laughs> so do you, do you miss never so having that, lived alone? Uh, well, I, I get that opportunity a lot. Like I guess when that's I go true. On vacation, I guess that's true. Yeah. 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 I, when I go on vacation, when I go on location, no, I meant to say, listen, if you love your job, you never work a day in your life. That's right. It's always a vacation. It's always a big fat vacation. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I never had the roommate thing, or I didn't go away to school and 
yeah, I, I stayed at home with my mom and dad. Oh, that's real nice. Is it? Or the, is it just weird? It's weird, it's but I don't weird, want you to feel bad because whatever. I know you're heavily medicated yeah. and I'm trying not to I'm trip I'm very over. happy. Okay, you seem okay, thrilled. Okay, we've established that. You're, okay, you slam the desk. Thrilled. Okay, yes. that's, you're extra, extra happy. I just <laughs> No, I think it'd be fun if you went home after this podcast and shoved some fake junk mail under your front door for your husband. That would be nice. Wouldn't that be nice? You know what? Do you remember I'm what any of the it. junk mail was? Um, yeah, I remember uh, J.C. Penney's used to have a pair of polyester pants for women called the Action Pant. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we made our own version of the Action Pant. Um, so called sexist. the Bertha Sue's for the lady on the go. Yeah, <laughs> and what makes them full of action? I don't. <laughs> the fact that they go on your legs <laughs> and they're not a skirt. And I don't know. And you're ambulatory, yeah. so you have to <laughs> the action pant. What's happening? Yeah. So yeah, the action pant was one thing. Hey gals, do you need to sprint from the kitchen to picking up the kids <laughs> at school right away? Well, now the action pant has the solution for you. Yeah. <laughs> Do you need to go run and get coffee for your boss? (laughs) (laughs) Action, action, action. Pick up his dry cleaning or buy a bouquet of flowers for his wife and mistress. Brought to you by the Sterling Cooper Draper Price Corporation. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, you know what? You've inspired me. I am going to make my own junk mail today. Okay, good. Well, I appreciate that. Well, it was wonderful (laughs) talking to you, and it was so nice to finally meet you. Great talking to you. And Blended comes out May... May 23rd. 23rd. All right. Wendy, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Enjoy your burrito, everyone. <laughs> I'm fine. Everything's fine. Good. You're fidgeting. Ah, Mew Barrymore. Mew Harrymore. Mm. Mew... <laughs> Mew Barrymore. I feel like... Was that sort of like a belch of like, I'm just processing... <laughs> How terrible that joke was. It was very good. Wow. It was a callback. I appreciate that. To what we were saying. Awesome. All right. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. I'm Shimol Yai, and I have a new podcast called The Competition. Every year, 50 high school senior girls compete in a massive scholarship competition. I wouldn't say I have an ego problem, but I'm extremely competitive. All of the competitors are used to being the best and the brightest, and they're all vying for a huge cash prize. This will probably be the most intense that you've ever gone through in your life. I remember that feeling because I was one of them. I lost. But now I'm coming back as a judge and also a kind of teen girl anthropologist. Because if you want to understand what it's like to be a young woman in America today, the competition's not a bad place to start. Hopefully no one will die on station night. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery, this is The Competition. Follow The Competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to The Competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.